0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I hope you've all had a good week. I'm certainly looking forward to the middle part of this week as we are looking, at the moment we were 38 degrees yesterday and we're about 37 today. So it's been a very, very hot day here in Australia. That's Celsius, not Fahrenheit. And we're looking for a little bit of a rainier, cooler week. At the end of the week, thank you all so much for listening to this series. As I said, this week I'm following up with the success stories from people who have been paroled after crimes and the lives that they have led after they have been paroled. As I said, I did want to give two sides of the parole argument as I do believe that it is essential when making any case for any sort of um, activity. Of course, I think parole is, as I said, quite a contentious subject, subject. And people often do have really strong opinions. I certainly do myself after last week's episode. But I do also think that we should hear some of these stories as They are truly inspiring and I think the people who have actually taken part in these definitely should be able to have their stories told and retold to be able to really show that changes can be made. So I'll stop waffling on and I'll carry on with the stories. Christopher Sheffield was a high school football star and a collegiate star. He made his way to the NFL, first playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers for two years, and then a year later with the Detroit Lions. However, drug use ended his football career in 1987. But as Chris told the State Board of Pardons and Paroles, as he received a pardon from the state, his opportunity on parole led to the ability to help uh, help others defeat addictions. Because of the opportunity the parole board gave me, I was able to re-educate myself and position myself to educate and re-educate others. And that's been the most gratifying thing that I've received. This is what Chris told the parole board in August of 2020. At the parole board's monthly meeting, Chris spoke about his life, including the successful football career and his addiction, prison, parole and recovery. Chris says the difference between him and many other offenders who are granted parole was the decision that he made himself. I made a conscious decision to turn my will and my life over to God. Chris was paroled from prison in 1997. His 10-year sentence was commuted in 2003 and his political and civil rights were restored at that time. Today, Chris is the manager of the Georgia Pines Community Service Board's Addictions Recovery Support Center in Thomasville, Georgia, and he's a certified addictions counselor. His most recent accomplishment was completing additional training and becoming Certified Addiction Recovery Empowerment Specialist, or CARES. And he continues to help others beat addiction. Chris says the system, the parole board does work. I'm here to tell you the work that you do is relevant and the system parole that you have created is effective. From my life experience, it works. Following his presentation in August 2020, Chris was presented with a pardon by the parole board, Chairman Terry Barnard. The process to apply for a pardon is no small thing. It is an act of official forgiveness by the state, and Chris's presentation is a further indication that he is certainly deserving of being pardoned, said Barnard. Chris had previously completed the pardon explication but had not yet been notified of the board's decision. And Chris became really emotional and said that he wished that his mother, who had passed away in 1999, was present in order to witness that he had fulfilled the promises that she had asked of him. During his presentation, Chris told the board that offenders leaving the system need to be prepared for the opportunities that come. I think God has allowed me to exist and possibly even created me from the beginning to begin this position so that I can assist those who do not know the way from point A to point B. If the parole board had not given me the opportunity to change my life in 1997, then I would have spent the remainder of that 10 year sentence in that institution and God knows where I would be today," he added. I'm just going to comment on Chris's story. So I think it's absolutely brilliant because he has made the stipulation, the difference between him and offenders, that it was his conscious decision to change. And I think that is the detail of parole, is that the offender needs to have that conscious decision to change. And if they do not have that constant, conscious decision to change, then nothing will, and they will reoffend again. And I think what Chris has done, because it doesn't actually state what his crime was, but I have a feeling that it is something to do with drugs, that he has actually tried to help other people with a drug addiction, really try and change their lives around with all of his training becoming the addiction recovery specialists i think it's brilliant how much that someone who has actually experienced what addiction is to help those people because then he's not speaking from a place where he he doesn't know what's going on for him to get that pardon i'll post a picture onto instagram you can see how emotional it is actually for chris And I think he is definitely a person who is truly deserving of the pardon from the state. And I think everything that he has done since has shown, I know he mentions God in this and I don't necessarily want to be pushing religion onto anybody, but that was his way of finding his reason to change his life. Someone else's reason might be completely different, but this was his reason. And at least it gave him that feeling and that push to change. The story of Tina Stanley, success on parole now pardoned. The State Board of Pardons and Paroles surprised a former offender in October of 2019 with a partner. Tina Stanley was forgiven for her past family convictions. The pardon is an act of official forgiveness on the part of the state. And at the board's monthly meeting, Stanley spoke to a five-member parole board after a video was showed detailing her many years of drug and alcohol abuse, followed by prison, parole, recovery, and ultimately the judge in her case commuting the remaining probation portion of her sentence. Tina said about receiving this pardon, my whole life starts over. The law told me that this was going to happen and today was the day. I think it is wonderful and amazing and I am very grateful," she said. The Parole Board Chairman Terry Bernard presented Tina with the pardon and thanked Tina for sharing her faith and her life experiences with the board. The Chairman Terry said, We know that more than 70% of those who are paroled in Georgia are successful a percentage that is well above the national average. But it's not often that we get to hear firsthand the details of these positive outcomes. And then today we see those who have been paroled and they're successful. Not many are pardoned, however, Tina Stanley is certainly deserving of this pardon. Today, in early 2021, Tina is now more than 15 years in recovery. She continues to volunteer at Intervention, a program where she lives in Dalton, where she facilitates treatment groups and she speaks to other recovery groups about her experiences and the state's pardon process. I just want to be a positive person and give back, and I'm still doing that. In September of 2020, Tina began a new journey as she got married, and she said, life is good we are very active in our church and stand strong in our faith i think this shows another story similar to chris's story earlier about how drug and alcohol addiction can lead to crime and unfortunately it can people can find themselves in a situation where they're so desperate I think it's brilliant that Tina has had 15 years in recovery and I think where she did get her probation and she turned it around by being a volunteer trying to give back to those people who helped her possibly in that time. I think it's very important for people who do have addiction to find that support. The story of Sean Walker. Sean Walker appeared before the State Board of Pardons and Parole at November 2015 monthly board meeting to tell his story, to apologise and to thank the five-member board for his 2014 parole, following 21 years in prison. I never had the chance to publicly apologise for the crime that I committed, stated Walker. I do apologise, he added. Sean was apologising for the murder of his girlfriend, who was also the mother of Sean's young daughter. He was convicted and sentenced to life with parole eligibility in 1994. Sean, who had no previous run ins with law enforcement, was facing a life in prison, but he says he wasn't concerned for himself or his future. Sean says at times he felt because of what he had done, the pain he had caused, he didn't deserve parole. I had no right to do what I did, and I will forever live with that. Sean says he accepted his punishment, and he told the board that there comes a point when you have to stop blaming others and take responsibility for what you have done wrong. He says that this was his turning point. I wasn't going to be like most guys in prison and fight my case in the courts. I felt bad for what I did and I felt that I deserved whatever punishment I received. I even thought that I maybe needed to be sitting in the electric chair. The impact of my life sentence didn't hit me until years down the line, when I thought I may never get out. Sean found a bit of hope in 2004. Then, Georgia Department of Corrections Commissioner James Donald attended a graduation ceremony at the Baldwin State Prison and heard Sean's commencement speech. Impressed with Sean, James Donald urged him to consider requesting assignment in the word detail at the Governor's Mansion. Another year passed as Sean continued teaching and mentoring other inmates inside Georgia's prison walls and as that time passed, he began to think of the possibilities. The opportunity to get away from the prison setting, adjust to society, and improve my communication skills by dealing with people other than inmates and prison staff appeal to me, he said. In 2009, after being denied parole again, Sean was finally accepted to the governor's mansion detail. Initially he was assigned to yard duties, however his work ethic and attitude rapidly earned him responsibility of working as a cook preparing food for the Governor Perdue and his family and it continued for Governor Deal. It was what he least expected from his time serving at the Governor's Mansion that now serves as his motivation for working hard and being successful. Sean explains that he was surprised by Governor Deal, First Lady Sandra Deal, and all of their children and grandchildren. They are actually people in positions of power who really care about the lower end of society, the prisoners. It still blows my mind how the deals treated us like family members. It is what we all needed. In 2013, the parole board finally voted to parole Sean provided that he was successfully to complete a work release program. And in February, 2014, Sean was finally released on parole. I wish I could kiss every board member on the cheek, said Sean. They have a tremendous job and it is a challenging decision. I'm glad that they saw that I was not going to be an idiot when I got out and I pray that they continue to make the right decisions for others. Sean told the board, and those at the board meeting last November, that he thanks God for putting people on the board who are in position to change lives, as well as giving those inmates who haven't learned their lesson more time in in order to understand. He says because of his parole, he has major responsibilities. Sean is grateful for his freedom and believes he has a duty to the governor and the parole board. I thank you guys for the opportunity to allow me to return back to society. I have a tremendous responsibility. I take that with me everywhere I go, every step and every decision I make. I know that I represent the governor's office. I represent the parole board and I represent my family. I got my current job because Governor Deal put his name behind mine. I got my freedom because the parole felt that I was ready to return to the community and to be successful. I now represent them each and every day in everything I do. That keeps me from making bad decisions. In early 2015, Sean was recognised by Governor Deal during Deal's inauguration speech. And today, Sean is the Banquet Catering Sales Coordinator for the Augusta Area Goodwill, a job he acquired while he was in work release. He also serves on the Governor's Steering Team that is tasked to finding ways to help individuals returning from prison. Ultimately, Sean wants to work in the prisons as an in-reach specialist. I want to be the person that makes a difference for others who are in prison. I want to give hope and inspiration, to be the resource for inmates who need help finding a job, finding a place to live, and dealing with the uncertainty of being released. Who better to hold their hand than someone who's been through it?" Sean's story really rang something in me when I read it, and I'm sure it will do for you too. He was convicted of a very serious crime, obviously murder of his girlfriend and his daughter's mother. He, however, saw the stark contrast between what he wanted to do and what others in prison wanted to do. He came to a decision where he didn't want to fight and say, oh, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. He wanted to take responsibility for what happened And he wanted to take responsibility of his life again. And that's what he did. He worked hard. And even now he recognizes the people who helped him come back into society. I think when like I personally think of prison release, I think of the movie Shawshank Redemption. When... We see the older man released back into society and he can't actually cope and that's when he carries out and is successful in taking his own life and i think that is the issue that sometimes parolees who are let out they're not given the help of finding a job finding a place to live giving all those resources and i think if Sean can definitely do that, to hold hands, hold the hand of someone who is going through that uncertainty again. And because he's been through it, all of his stories and all of his advice will ring more true than someone who isn't. I think his success story is such a positive thing to see someone who has committed such a horrific crime, but also he didn't just get parole immediately and he worked on himself to be able to come out and be successful for himself. And again, that's what I'm going to say is that I think people need to be successful for themselves before anybody else to be able to have a successful parole. It is rare that an offender is able to address the parole board outside a revocation hearing. It is even rarer that the parole offender attends a monthly board meeting. Parolee Randy Davis is a braille specialist working at Georgia Tech. Randy took time off work to speak to the parole board at the board's monthly meeting in Atlanta of 2015. It was the Department of Corrections braille transcribers program that gave Randy an opportunity at a second chance in the free world. I had the opportunity to get the position at Georgia Tech because of prison. I devoted my time to reconstructing who I was, stated Randy. He says the opportunity to learn braille transcribing revealed itself in prison. So I jumped at the opportunity and my journey with braille began. Randy says Georgia's visually impaired children benefit from the prison braille program. The focus of the prison inmate training program is to produce braille books for those children. It was an opportunity to help another. That was the main draw for me. The amazing thing is that I received more help than I gave. I'm here today because of that program and the opportunity it gave me. It has afforded me to advance myself and now I'm able to give back by training inmates at other prison Braille programs. That opportunity really helped rebuild my self-esteem. Randy is using his skills learned in prison on his job, working for the MAAC, Accessibility Solutions and Research Center at Georgia Tech, where Braille textbooks are produced and shipped to customers. Guy Tolls is Randy's supervisor at AMAC and says he's amongst the most qualified braille transcribers in the country. Randy says that one of his goals is to further promote prison braille programs as as a means for rehabilitating inmates and assisting them as a re-enter society. That is my greatest joy to help both sides the kids that need these materials and the men and women who are getting the opportunity to produce these materials in prison. Randy, asked to reflect on his past, says his convictions, including one for robbery by intimidation, of which he is now on parole for, were the result of a drug habit. But he adds, it is in the past. I've come to terms with it, I don't run from it, and I've moved on, he stated. He thanked the board for providing him the opportunity through a parole release. This opportunity means so much, not only to me, but to my new daughter, my family, and mostly to the kids who we provide the textbooks for, so they have the opportunity to further their education. It's wonderful to be part of that. Parole board chairman Terry Bernard invited Randy to speak at the meeting. Barnard says through opportunities provided to inmates in the prison system, many offenders are successful while under parole supervision. Mr. Davis is just one example of parole success. Offenders who take advantage of opportunities that exist in the prison and once on parole can be successful and at the same time provide for safe communities. Randy was recently invited to be a part of the prestigious Royal Committee B-A-N-A, Braille Authority of North America, which Randy called a dream come true. BNA promotes the work and facilitates work and the uses and teaching and production of Braille. Jackie Cooper, along with her other five siblings, was raised only by their mother. They grew up not having much, and sometimes that included not having electricity. Jackie says at age 18, she went into a department store where she asked to apply for a credit card. So she did, using someone else's name. She was approved for $500 and maxed out the card. She started going to other stores, applying for cards using other people's names. She went from wanting nice clothes and shoes, to getting a high by being able to get away with it. In 1989, Jackie was caught and sentenced to 24 months of probation under the First Offenders Act. However, she continued committing fraud and theft until 2006, when she was sentenced to 15 years, serving six years in prison before her parole release. On May 2011, Jackie reported to the parole for her initial interview, coming in with a positive attitude. She also admitted her guilt. However, she had the determination that she would make something of her life while having an influence on others. Her goal was to keep keep others from going down the road that she had traveled. During Jackie's transition from prison to the community, she and her sisters, Brandy, began working with a mentor program called Passionate About Living Souls, PALS. PALS is a community program that helps newly released and incarcerated women and their children get connected with different organizations to help meet their needs. Jackie and her sister continued working with the program, assisting many women with their needs. The program holds a special place in Jackie's heart because she loves being an advocate for women and youth. Her work and her commitment to the program is credited for its growth. In September, 2011, the Assistant Chief in Douglasville put Jackie in contact with Chief Deputy Gary Sparks of the Douglasville Police Department regarding the Youth Against Violence program. Now each week, Jackie teaches criminal addictive thinking on Thursdays and every Saturday she teaches confronting peer pressure. She is the first woman out of prison to ever teach classes at the Youth Against Violence program. Chief Deputy Sparks was asked about Jackie and had this to say. When I first sat down to talk with Jackie about helping, I could tell she wanted to give back and do something for her community and to help the youth, said Sparks. He says Jackie tries to get the youth to look deep within while letting them know that they can succeed no matter what their past may include. Spark said Jackie arrives every Saturday with a smiling face and willingness to share and serve. He states she is committed to the program and that shows integrity. He adds that anything they ask Jackie to talk about, she does no matter what the topic is and she does a great job. Spark stated that Jackie is a very positive person, even though she has had a ne- negative background and she is an overcomer. Audrey Charles Coleman, Youth Against Violence Program Administrator, calls Jackie awesome. Coleman says Jackie is a prime example of a great volunteer. Jackie has also begun working with the Atlanta Police Department's Atlanta Youth Initiative. Youth coordinator and APD officer Keith Roach said Jackie is excellent with the kids and she is a great female mentor. Jackie has four kids and when she talks about them, she has the biggest smile on her face. Jackie missed five years of their lives, but during prison, she stayed in communication with her. Two of her children are currently in college. One is in the Navy and her youngest is planning on going into the Marines. Jackie says she's always pushed them to do better and not follow in her footsteps. When Jackie was asked what quote she would like to go in this article, she said, my three Ps. She said, God has preserved and prepared me for a purpose. And hopefully my three Ps will have a profound effect on someone. Jackie's parole ended on the 10th of February, 2016. And everyone has said that they feel very blessed to see what Jackie has become and look forward to what else she can do in the future. The last story I'm going to cover is one, which is called actually titled "Alexander's Support has helped him. Sentenced to life, a parole success story. He is responsible, dependable and loyal, said Pastor Grant. Grant is talking about parolee Willie Alexander, who stays and works at Good News at Noon, a community centre and shelter operating in Gainesville. Grant is the executive director of the center. It is not the manner in which you would always describe Willie. Not when he was serving in prison time for murder, armed robbery and for violating his first parole. Not the way you describe him when he was paroled in February 2008 and arrived at the good news at noon. And certainly not the way that you would describe him when he ran by the name of Miami in South Carolina, or another alias, Taboo, which he picked up in prison. Willie's parole officer, Dale Williams, says that when he came out on parole, he couldn't identify with the world outside and the changes that had occurred while he was incarcerated. He had difficulty, but his story is enlightening, he said. Up until February, 2008, Willie had spent most of his life in prison since his first conviction in 1971 for armed robbery. He got life for the murder he committed in 1980 in Georgia. Yes, he was given chances, paroled in 1989, more criminal activity, and back by 1992. Out, out again, but right back, parole revoked, and back serving the life sentence. Perhaps it is simple maturity, but he says that it's more than that. Willie says, I changed my life. It took me 58 years to get here. Good News at Noon distributes food, clothing and many other necessities to the needy in Gainesville and the surrounding community. Its founder, Mr B, as he's affectionately called, Gene Beckstein, has helped Willie since his arrival. He has provided the opportunities for Willie who has taken advantage and is now working at the center as program manager. Among his responsibilities is managing offenders who come to the good news to complete community service. Their responsibilities include getting together the donations to the shelter. They clean up mop and do garbage detail. Willie utilizes his past experience and mentors those he manages those he comes into contact with that are younger, as most everyone is, and those who have come into contact with the criminal justice system, as he did at their age. Willie freely gives his testimony and tells about himself as he speaks to the youth in the church group settings, in schools and elsewhere. He has attempted to reach gang members, telling them their lives, if pursued, will have repercussions. He says what he does makes him stronger, and is granted through prayer. He says it makes him feel good and it's worthwhile and gives him a measure of redemption. He says, what I've done is not in vain. He says he knows he's done wrong and now he's doing right. But how does a 60 plus year old aging criminal relate to today's youth? Willie answers, they love to relate to me. They don't see age, they see truth, and I am straight up with them. He admits to them doing drugs, weed, and cocaine. He admits participating in gangs. He sees the respect the youth have for him and says these youth know they can talk in confidence with him. Willie freely admits that when he came to the Good News in February 2008, he came without the Lord. He gives Mr. B the credit and says that he was instrumental in getting him back on the right track. He showed me love, said Willie. Willie says Mr. B reintroduced him to love and reminded him to let God show you love and for you to show others love. Willie says that Mr. B tells everyone you can depend on me. Parole officer Dale Williams said that Willie is among her top parolees. She says he would say that freedom is precious. He has made mistakes and he helps others. Williams said that Willie meets all conditions and he shares his insights with parolees, students, clubs, and church groups. She said he's earned the respect of those at The Good News and the community supports who volunteers and give there. She emphasizes that had there have been no problems with his supervisions, he has made a change, she said. Others say that they have changed, but they don't live it. She said that she hasn't seen any example that he is not doing what he says. And she said that Willie seems earnest and humble. She views his change since this last parole as part of maturity and change. He is older and wiser, but also he gives all the credit to God. As a parole officer, it's hard to be a trusting soul. I want to believe him, she adds. Williams closes her part by saying, Willie is an inspiration. I hope I'm not fooled. As she finishes with Willie saying, freedom is precious. Willie says that he does not have any future plans, but admits that he would, as a goal, like to get off the lifetime parole supervision. He says that that would be an accomplishment. He says his only plans is to continue what he's doing and to do the right thing. Willie says he's not leaving. He has nothing to run to. He says he spent far too much time helping people for him to get into trouble. He reiterates, it I know right from wrong. He thinks back to his early age and his convictions. I was a hot-headed. I was into negative life. He says he thinks about the life he took, the situation, and what he could have done differently. I think of what I could have done, not killing him, not shooting him. He admits maturity has a great deal to do with it. Absolutely. Experience in life gives you knowledge. These stories were honestly a breath of fresh air to hear how these people have actually turned their lives around. Most of the time on the media or anything that we read, we only really hear of the awful stories of people who have violated their parole. But these people are just a small section of people who have rehabilitated themselves. And as every story says, it's because of themselves that they have been successful. And that's what I personally believe is the difference between the success stories of parolees and the failures of parolees is what is within themselves. I only had one source this week and it was the state board of pardons and paroles on Georgia for Georgia in the United States. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant how they had all of these success stories and showing how their parolees can actually make a difference. And I think it's a really good thing. And I think it's something that should be promoted for every state in every country for you to actually see the success. I know it could be seen as probably hurtful to the family members who have been affected by it. And I can see the negative side in regards to that. But I also do believe that the success, like some crimes, can have a successful parole from. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. If you like this content then please consider subscribing to the podcast or if you have any case or subject that you'd like me to cover then please give me an email on macabre mortals at gmail.com. Next episode I'm looking to do um, something which is called the case for parole to see whether Parole is the actual only way that we can go down or whether there is any other options that we can actually try and discuss for the way for parole. I'm going to give some of my opinions and my ideas. If you would like any of your ideas covered, then please give me an email by Thursday the 25th and I will try my best to get them out onto the podcast. And if you have any spare time, whether you can rate my podcast for me. I just want to know how people are feeling about it and whether you're enjoying the content or not. I hope you all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening again and I will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.